You're listening to the Mind Manual Podcast, Episode 31, Overcoming Burnout and Overwhelm. If you want a particular result in your life, but you're unable to get it, tune in to start training your brain and expanding your emotional intelligence to unlock the most powerful and underutilized performance tool that we have. It's the most important work you could do because it affects every area of your life. Hello to all the little busy bees out there. For those who have buzzed themselves into burnout, this one's for you. We're going to unravel what's really going on with burnout, what needs to be addressed, and what stops us from stepping into our power and claiming authority and control over our situation at home, work, or in business. But firstly, let's look at a few ways burnout has been defined or understood by some of the authorities out there. We have the Merriam-Webster that defines it as exhaustion of physical or emotional strength or motivation, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. The Mayo Clinic explains it as a special type of work-related stress, a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that also involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. And the World Health Organization has stated that burnout is included in the 11th revision of the International Classification of Diseases as an occupational phenomenon that is not classified as a medical condition. They go on to define burnout in this classification, which is ICD-11, as a syndrome conceptualized resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. So let's look at some of the factors that might commonly contribute to placing us in this predictable pattern. The common denomination across all three definitions is that they all refer to feelings, feelings of negativism or cynicism, feelings of energy depletion, emotional exhaustion, prolonged stress or frustration, and even loss of personal identity, which also relates to how we feel about ourselves. So even though burnout can manifest physically, it's being driven by the emotional realm. And the underlying system that is regulating our emotional landscape is our mind. It will be the way we're thinking about it. The World Health Organization, or WHO, refers to four different components in their definition. The mental or cognitive aspect, the feelings or emotional the physical being emotional and physical depletion and the inevitable result that ensues, which is reduced professional efficacy. And so it affects every aspect of our being, mental, emotional, and physical, to produce a certain result, which are actually reflections of the model that we use to identify the different components that are responsible for creating our reality or experience of something. So for those who have listened to the previous episodes, we have the circumstance, which will be the facts of what has happened. These are basically statements of fact that everyone would agree on. So this bit is objective. It's not subjective. It doesn't include any opinions or judgments 
or ancillary thoughts and stories that you might have about it. We reduce the circumstance to the raw, cold, hard facts that are indisputable. So without all these other layers that our mind offers us, they will be completely neutral because nothing is good or bad until we go and have a thought about it. Now, this circumstance could be different for everyone, depending on the dynamics and facts about what has or is unfolding in your particular situation or event. This part is really quite independent of the experience that we then go and create from the circumstance. So this element will always be variable and may not be within our control because we can't control other people. They have their own agendas and life keeps unfolding as it does. The next part is where all the fun is and where the seeds of creation are sown. Now, the WHO definition referred to this component as increased mental distance from one's job, and then they go on to elaborate on the feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. To summarize that sentence in one word, as it relates to the model that we use, it's essentially the type of thoughts we are having, which are all completely within our control and of our creation, that is then creating the feelings of negativism or cynicism. So when we can only see something one way and it's rooted in rejection and resistance, I describe it as being stuck in a contracting mindset. We think we're just conveying the facts, but we're not. That's the first line of the model, the circumstance, which is neutral. What we're conveying are our thoughts about it. If you write it all down, you will see all the judgments and opinions that you have about the facts, and you'll most likely be able to make a melodrama out of it all. But because we think they are facts, we can't see that it could be described any other way. And given that most circumstances are outside of our control, we then feel helpless and at the effect of it all. This is the most common illusion we get trapped in, in thinking our thoughts are real, in seeing them as circumstances. So we go and stamp them in concrete, which can never be changed. It's like they're set in stone and that's just the way the world is, full stop. As soon as we can identify them as thoughts and understand that all thoughts are optional, we can start to play around with them in seeing how something could be for us instead of against us, in choosing a thought that could empower us to take a different action, in choosing a thought that will create a different feeling that takes us out of frustration, out of the feeling of helplessness and powerlessness to change the directory of how we would want it to be. Now, if the sky was the limit and we didn't hold ourselves back without thinking, then we could look at the situation with an expanding mindset in looking at all the ways we could be thinking about it and aligning it with how we want to feel and being fueled by that energy to do it all very differently compared with how we've been doing it. Going back to the model, we know that 
Our thoughts are what creates the emotions we feel throughout our body. We call this the F line in the model, which stands for our feelings. The energy that we derive from our emotions that we feel as a physical sensation or vibration in the body is what fuels us into taking a specific action. So going back to the WHO definition, this is another component they identified. They described this dimension as feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Typically, we associate feeling exhausted and depleted with physical exertion. In being on the run and exerting ourselves in all the physical activity, but unless you're a very busy labourer, working with hauling heavy equipment or material, running here, there and everywhere without a break, this will unlikely be the cause of your exhaustion. For most of us, we're busy tapping on a computer, pushing a pen around paper or just chatting away. What is really exhausting and depleting us is the negative energy from a negative emotion that is being generated by a negative thought. Think about what it feels like to be angry, overwhelmed or frustrated and resentful and try and stay with that energy from those emotions for most of the day. You will come away feeling depleted. These emotional states suck the life out of us and they're being created by our thoughts. Those negative and cynical thoughts that we're spinning on is what is creating these energy-depleting emotions, which is exhausting. And then when we feel exhausted, resentful, and helpless, it results in reduced professional efficacy, which was another element of the WHO definition. As it relates to the model, it's the A-line or the action line. And it's this component that produces our results, which we describe as the R-line in the model, with all of it originating in thought. So let's look through some of the ways this pattern will show itself in different situations or circumstances. Some people I've been recently coaching have struggled with the need to make hard decisions. For example, in sacking someone or dealing with dysfunctional workplace dynamics that need to be addressed, or generally just not taking control of the things they can control, in not being their own advocate when it comes to addressing extremes of activity such as working around the clock or on weekends, or not having control over the resources you need to do your work or troubleshoot through something. What happens is they don't end up dealing with any of it because they're wanting to avoid the uncomfortable feelings that go along with it. So when you work with the model and go back to the thing that creates our feelings, it will be our thoughts, of course. So this is what we need to explore. We need to write down all the thoughts, all the stories, your beliefs and everything you're making it mean if you were to go and do the thing by taking the necessary action that will produce the result that you need. We need to empty our mind out onto a sheet of paper and rigorously examine all of it. We need to test it and challenge it because somewhere in there will be a thought error. There will be a lie or there will be a belief about something that is holding you back from stepping into your power and setting things up so that you can win at this game without having to grind your way there. This is what we do in the coaching process. We go and identify the sneaky, poisonous thoughts that are creating those awful feelings that you're trying to avoid. 
Once you become aware of them, which takes a bit because most of our thoughts are subconscious, then we go in and deal with them. We can reframe them. We can find all the ways that they're untrue and call it all out and see through to the reality that we are creating for ourselves. So let's take the instance of having to sack someone. If the feeling is dread and guilt, what are the thoughts that have created those feelings? And it may be something like, I'm responsible for placing this family in a difficult position that's going to compromise them in ways I really don't want to put them through, which is going to lead to the feelings of dread and guilt. But let's look at this to test if that is really true. In taking this view, you would have to assume that it renders the employee in a powerless position, unable to make any moves, such as find another job that might be a better match for them. It also assumes that you have control over their emotions, which is never the case because you can't direct them to think a certain way. So if they go and make that mean that they're not good enough or unworthy as a person and therefore create a feeling of hopelessness, the truth is that this is their creation. It is their choice to assign that meaning which will lead them to take no action, which will prove the original thought that they're not good enough to get another job. That is how the model works all of the time with any thought for anyone. Whereas if they had the thought, well, I was really just coasting on that one and maybe it's time for me to go and ask more from myself, to stretch myself in ways that I would never have considered while ever I stayed in my comfortable corner. Maybe, just maybe, this is a blessing in disguise and the push that I need to take my life to the next level, to go further afield and see what I'm capable of. Now, I've heard of many people taking this path and I also hear of many people taking the other. The only person who can make that choice is the person that has been placed in that position or circumstance and not another living soul. We are powerless over the thoughts and perspective that another person chooses to create. And that's just two possibilities out of an infinite number that they could take on. Now, I'm not advocating that we should go around indifferently deleting people out of our life or workplace without regard to how we deliver that news, even though it is entirely up to them and what they go and do with it, we still need to account for how we show up and conduct ourselves. Empathy can go a long way in how you choose to frame this, in treating the person as if you were delivering this news to yourself. A person may not remember the words you said to them, but they will always remember the way you made them feel. Knowing how the human brain works, we know that news like this will activate their survival instinct and fear response. And for some, they will feel as if their life is in danger. When you have compassion for that, it will help you to direct the conversation in a way that is not diminishing to them, that doesn't make them feel less than as a person. By delineating the tasks and work performed from the identity of the person and their intrinsic value as a human, it will be more accurate to discuss the needs of the business versus their skill set or current performance in it not being a match for what is required or whatever reason that you need to let them go for. If you have followed a process of helping to elevate them 
where you need them to be and it hasn't worked, then the business may not be able to support that position if you then need to go and create or recruit another person to fulfill all the other needs that that role demands. And if you as a manager are responsible for meeting the demands of the business, then you are also required to do your job and whatever is needed to ensure the business is able to service its customers and carry out its obligations. That part is not personal. The bit that's personal is how you communicate that in a way that doesn't infer they are less than or not good enough as a person. You can love them and support them all the way through the process of letting them go, knowing that where they take their life, their next work choice or career path is entirely theirs to go and create. When you see them as being a capable human and acknowledge this gift of choice that they have, that we all have, and we don't reduce their circumstance in our eyes to a level where they lack this most basic right as a human, which is free will, then we don't need to create the difficult emotions that come from thinking we've caged them in a corner with nowhere to go and nowhere to turn to. Letting them go doesn't require you to turn your back on them or destroy them. This is where your support and understanding and how you want to show up comes in. This is your opportunity to shine and be proud of the way you do business and how you treat others. When you come from this place and get to feel good with how you show up, and the other gets to decide how they show up, of which you are not accountable for. You are not responsible for their thoughts, their feelings or actions, and therefore results in their life. And the same applies to ourselves. Outsourcing responsibility for your emotional life to anyone else is completely disempowering and only places you in the victim role. We don't want to set it up like that for ourselves or anyone else. In the case of advocating for yourself with extreme work-related activity or not taking the steps needed to access the resources you need to do your work, again, what will hold you back from going in and negotiating what you need in order to stay and produce the results they hired you to do is in avoiding the uncomfortable emotions that come from having your own back. And where needed, going against the flow to call it all out for what it is and ask for what you need. The feeling you might be avoiding could be rejection or disapproval or even shame if they react in a way that makes you wrong. But once again, these emotions will come from a story or belief that you've subscribed to or a thought you will go and have about yourself. And it might be something like, what was I thinking? Or who do I think I am going in there and asking for that? Or what if they say no? All of those thoughts will create feelings of rejection, disapproval, fear and shame. And what if they did reject you and say no? What will you go and make that mean? That you mustn't be worth it or good enough as a person? All of this is optional. We get to choose using the gift of free choice to assign any meaning we want to anything. I could choose to make it mean that the boss must be having a bad day and doesn't want to deal with this right now. Or I could choose to think, I just haven't sold this in the right way. I need to go and show them the value I could bring if I had the use of these resources. 
There are a thousand optional thoughts and meanings that I could choose to assign as a meaning that doesn't disempower me. But what happens is we get hung up on just one, one meaning, and it will usually be the thought that our primal brain has offered to us in order to keep us in the cave where it's safe, where it's comfortable and familiar. We end up believing that thought as if it's a fact. There's nothing we can do about it. Meanwhile, our performance at work is being limited and I'm making it mean that I just must be hopeless and just mustn't be up to the job. Whenever there's an obstacle or challenge to resolve, we usually think that something's gone wrong. Instead of seeing the opportunity for growth and involvement, for those who have their own business, you are not the business. Assess what the business needs. Use the resources around you. Delegate and negotiate where needed to produce the result you need. If you're an employee, think like a business owner and go through the same process. Except in this case, if you don't have the powers of delegation or authority to activate any further resources, present a case for the value that you could bring to the business if they were to accept the proposition you put to them. No good business owner is going to say no to an arrangement that will bring them more value whether that be in cost savings or revenue growth, and it shouldn't matter where it comes from, the boy on the street or the factory floor worker. He who has the best idea that brings the most value as far as I'm concerned wins at the end of the day. That is, of course, unless ego or ulterior motives gets in the way, which is definitely out there in bucket loads. But all of that has absolutely nothing to do with you and everything to do with what is going on for them. I could keep going on and on, but I'm mindful not to go too far over time. But if you want to dive a bit deeper into this work, I have a free five-day workshop on unraveling stress, anxiety, and burnout that you can register for by going over to themindmanual.com. I'd love for you to join me there. Take care and bye for now. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out Mind Scholars. It's my monthly coaching membership where we take all of this work to a much deeper level. We study it and then apply it to the everyday in every way. So if you want to take your life to a whole new level, join me in Mind Scholars over at themindmanual.com forward slash join. I look forward to seeing you there.